Welcome to the Meta Spiritual Podcast. My name is Tori Madison, your host. On this podcast, we explore the mystical, metaphysical, the metaverse, and mental health. Join us as we dive deeper into the multidimensional realms of artificial intelligence, virtual worlds, collective evolution, and the future of technology's impact on humanity. In this next conversation, I speak with Jason and Blakely Peroni, the founders of MetaBetties. We discuss the provocative and innovative universe of MetaBetties, where art meets activism. In this episode, we unravel the layers of this unique digital art collectible, born from the inspiration of 1940s American pinup girls and transformed into modern symbols of social justice and cultural commentary. These are adorable, by the way. They're fierce, but they're not just digital darling collectibles. It's actually a bold statement in the ever-evolving narrative of human progress. They are minted on the Ethereum blockchain, and they link art enthusiasts directly to policy change makers. As a MetaBetties holder, it unlocks a platform for thought leadership and a forum of activism-based utilities that drive social progress and equality. They have an act to earn community platform and holders can unlock exclusive benefits by participating in their mission to oppose social injustices. If you're interested in learning how you can become a MetaBetty and join their community, stay tuned. Okay. I'm excited to get chatting with you. Normally when I interview people, I like to do a couple cacao and I like to talk about like intentions, fears, and boundaries and um, uh, desires. My intentions, I'd love just to get to know you guys more. You seem just like a rocking couple, super awesome and advocacy and doing just some amazing, amazing things in New York City, really giving people an opportunity to explore the future of technology with the digital art collection, but also, you know, make an actual difference in the world that we live in. And that's exactly what Meta Spiritual represents and why I created this podcast and this online publication, because I was just kind of jaded. I was like, what are we doing? Do we really want to be in a metaverse? Do we really want to like, you know, if the future of our um, of technology is heading in this direction, then what are the brands and the companies that are really making a difference in our society and building, you know, um, building the future of tech in a way that more represents uh, who we want to be as human beings and where we want to go and in, in, in terms of with the planet and our relationships and just as collective evolution in general, you know, and so um that's my intention. Uh, my desire is just to have like a super fun conversation, talk about the event that you guys just put on, uh, which, you know, it sounds like it was amazing. And and I also just des- desire to uh, share more about your your vision for MetaBetties um, and what you guys have planned in the future. And then uh, fears. I don't really have any fears around the conversation. Um, boundaries, you know, I'm pretty wide open. I love to get in the nitty gritty of, you know, rights for humanity and just to, you know, talk about ways that we can just be kind to people, you know, I think it'd be <laughs> pretty obvious. <laughs> um, it's crazy that we like have to make laws for that, you know? Um, so anyways, um, yeah. So if you guys, um, maybe t- 
would like to share that, just your tensions, desires, fears, and boundaries, and then we'll go into the conversation. Okay. I was so happy to know that we are going to be speaking with you, especially we've listened to the podcast in the past. Um, we actually replayed an episode last night, just hearing the speakers that you had on seemed like such an environment where MetaBuddies would be welcomed. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I really the the fear of mine within this collection is getting our point across with her physicality and our mission um mm -hmm. i truly think and we'll go on into the conversation that web3 can be used as a as a feminist tool and gives us such an opportunity to like erase these gender biases that we've had for so long so it's so nice to speak to someone who's spiritually inclined and a progressive thinker and an active listener um, and so, yeah, I feel very welcomed in the space. My intention is just to also have a great conversation with you and, you know, speak human to human about the issues and the controversies that we're dealing with today. Of course, speak about the exhibit where I think we're still writing a high, Jason and I. Um, and my desire is just to leave with more people um, on the activist front and people just who uh, think and believe the same way as you, because I think that you're doing such a good job in the Web3 space, bringing spiritual awareness into something that could be like very well overly populated with just like consumption of media and false advertising, you know, all that stuff. So I think that what you're doing is really important and I'm honored to be on the show. Yeah. Anything for you? No, I, I have nothing to add to that. That's that's, that's that yeah. You know, I do have some fear, right? As as I'm posting this, because it's like beautiful modern 1940s pinup girl rocking it. Yeah. And I I did have some fear, you know, just around like, oh, like, you know, did this is really out there and you know, just about um any stigma that like people might view me in a negative way because I support sensuality mm -hmm. and women expressing themselves and their bodies in the way that they want to. And I, in a way, that's why I kind of love the web three space. Cause it seems to be people that are more progressive, but then there's still kind of like the old paradigm of, you know, the workforce and things of that nature that will shun you and kind of blackball yeah. you. Yeah, that's the oh. ironic part of our message is that there is a bunch of stigma, even in the pinup girls, um, you know, during World War II, it was like, is this used for our own agency? Is this empowering or is this oppressive? Are we used as a distraction? Um, mm. uh, pinup girls, even in feminism is so controversial till this day, sexuality and the way that we use it whether for the male gaze or for our own identities, it's always a play. I don't think that we're ever going to get away from opinions on the female form, um, except maybe in web three. So Metabetes really does play like a huge part in that irony, right? Because she's technically not from here. So when she's looking <laughs> at you right like she never looks away she's looking straight at you which is a big part of pinup culture um a lot of the traditional mm -hmm. pinup girls did not want to be looking up did not want to be looking down they wanted to look straight at the camera and they actually were in charge of a lot of their shoots because they wanted to feel powerful on set so meta Betty's is looking right at you she's holding and saying everything that she means and um 
it's kind of interesting if you think about how would women be able to embody their sexuality if we were never objectified on earth you know a lot we probably would stand like betty and we probably would hold our power that way um who, who knows? But but yeah, Web3 gave us an opportunity to kind of play on that stigma and gender bias in general, and then also take it to the next level with activism behind her. Right. And yeah. so I really didn't don't know much about the, the, the pinup girls of that era. They wanted to look at the camera, but they didn't. They were always just, you know, their eyes up in the air or somewhere else. Because yeah, there's a level of intimacy that comes when you are looking some at someone straight into the eye, right? The eyes are the the gates and the window to the soul. And it requires so much presence. And a lot of people just are very uncomfortable looking at someone in the eye for an extended period of time. I'm talking like 10 seconds. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting that you, you have her looking directly into the camera. Yeah, especially with like political issues and, you know, things that like people are so uncomfortable with, depending on what side of the party you're on. I don't really know, unless I'm in an art setting, I have a hard time like saying things eye to eye to people who aren't wanting to have a progressive conversation. So, um, yeah, mm. it's interesting. And I, I, we made a point to make her very powerful. Yeah. And I, I love that too, because in a way it's just, we kind of hide, we, we, we can hide behind our computer screens, right? There's not that, that direct human to human contact really. And it's just when you're in the energy of someone just next to them, there's, there's truly a difference and a change in the conversation. And so you speak to someone very differently in person than you would, you know, hiding behind a computer screen, which is kind of just like the web three kind of way of doing things. But now we're, we're transitioning into this newer form of the internet. And it's like, you know, I think there is a level of intimacy that people are, are longing for that is, um, that's real. Yeah. That's authentic. You know, that's not just a bunch of likes and thousand people like my photo or, you know, it's just the, the doom scrolling the, for the dopamine. And, yeah. um, so, that's so true where we're at right now, I do hope in the future, and maybe, maybe this would be a great question for you. Like when I am in the web three space and no one knows who I am in real life, I do feel like this overwhelming sense of power because, there's no like gender structure within the conversations, the, the creati creativity, right? And that's a part of like screen to screen communication that I actually do love. So I think once we're out of these web two platforms and we're into a space, um, you know, like that web three creates, do you agree with me that um, like when gender is eliminated, that, that, stru that structure that you were talking about, the likes and the nonsense, like kind of disappears and we're living in this like, uh, physical how do you say it no physicality like there's no physicality there's only brain power right so what does that do to our power structure um, right it's just energy and it's consciousness when you right. think about it and um yeah I, I love how you said that I had a thought um it's kind of slipping my mind right now but um yeah okay here it is we're multi-dimensional beings right we're multi-dimensional we have many different facets of our personality of our sexuality, of our sensuality. And we 
And I, I think what's happened to societies, we've kind of been put in these boxes and we're told, nope, you're going to be a banker. You're going to go to school. You're going to be a banker and you're going to be a banker your, your whole life. And I think that people love web three just because they have the opportunity to kind of recreate themselves and reinvent themselves at a time when, you know, thing, things, we might feel the need to like be someone else to fit mm -hmm. a certain societal structure. I mean, for me, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like, I was tired of, you know, being this person for this particular job and, and this person around my family and this person here and there, it's just like, I want to be able to represent all of who I am and everything of the Tory, the Tory frequency, you know, my multidimensional being, it's just like, I just want to be my true authentic self in every conversation, every relationship, every job that I have, you know, and I feel like that's kind of what's leading to a lot of mental health problems is because people are suppressing their identity to fit in to like a, a, a social, a social, um, society that like might not really hasn't accepted them for who they are. And it's, I think it's causing just a lot of depression because we're creative beings and when we're not creating, there's a part of us that's dying on the inside. And one of the ways to create is to show up as who you are and, and with through your fashion, through your clothes, through your voice, the voice is so powerful, right. And speaking your truth and, um, yeah, I feel that from you in your voice and in in your writing, especially like you're so detailed with the way that you speak and the way that you represent yourself. I think that you do come off as someone who has figured it out and is able to <laughs> like embody a full self. It's very hard, right? Let's not even try to bring in the structures of mother, wife, daughter, God, and the labels. It's labels. Because, yeah, mm -hmm. you'll lose your mind. Um, it's interesting that you talked about mental health. We had a, a very big statement piece in the gallery, um, over the, you know, the helplessness that we feel with, with silent depression. And, um, we just had like a giant horse carousel in the center of the second gallery with a Betty who really just was like holding on for dear life, looking at our, um, it's all play persona, which really is about mental health, silent depression. And like the way that there's really no, empathy in our system for people who are struggling with mental health. Um, and these charities that we're donating to through this persona is, is like art programs and free workshops and free courses to help us like figure out who we are and be able to express ourselves no matter how you identify in a world that, yeah, truly puts you in a box, tells you to be almost mute, you know, and just like keep going. Um, and so I just thought that was interesting that you brought it up. It was something that I really wanted to highlight at this exhibit mm -hmm. uh, because yeah, we've, we've seen the carousel in plenty of different metaphors, <laughs> but I don't really know how else can we like represent mental health um, in a different way. I thought the carousel would be interesting because we're encapsulating time and the ongoing mm -hmm. essence of time never ending. And like, if you're stuck in, a dark depression, you know, that time magnifies like throughout the whole night. I wonder how that Betty felt staying on that horse for five hours. Like she probably right. just was ready to get off after. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It yeah. Is really important. Yeah. Thank you. That's amazing that about that, that, and it's so important and in our world to bring awareness to these issues of the silent suffering. Um, 
So, um, can you tell me, um, I know that we, you know, we were just chatting from our hearts and I, I love those conversations the most. And now I'm just going to ask you if just some questions, um, just kind of back it up a little bit and, uh, really talk about the collection and the event. So I guess my first question to you, Blakely and Jason is, um, if you could just dive into the concept of MetaBetties and how it was born and what inspired you to blend art activism, art and activism in the digital realm. Jay, you should, Jay, talk. Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Metabetes is a, is a concept art collectible. Um, it serves as a running social commentary on current events and cultural conflicts. Um, back in the sort of like NFT boom, and, and we don't associate NFT with our brand name at all. It's just Metabetes. Um, we used to be Metabetes NFT, but we've kind of dropped that. Um, but <laughs> but essentially we were like around the time of all the kind I want of- to say something about that. Mm-hmm. I honestly feel that NFTs have been given such a bad stigma. They're saying that they've died, but in reality, I think it's actually the the patriarchal high, high hierarchical structure that is dying. Yeah. Right. And so therefore I think we should be proud to call it NFTs. We're the visionaries. We're the progressives. We're the futurists. We are ones that saw opportunities for art to be uh, a way to make a difference, which, which is exactly what you guys are doing. And we're but that name here. is all, but we're still here. Yeah, that it's, it's just been kind of shunned in a way. So, um, but yeah, that, that that's a whole conversation. Yeah, it's just another day, but but we'll just call it digital art collection. Okay. Yeah, because, yeah, no, just, yeah. I just wanted to follow up on that. There's really just kind of two things. Yeah, one is just <clears throat> the acronym or the the moniker has just like been given a bad name by the bad actors, right? We we all know about totally scams and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then just like from a technical standpoint, it's just sort of like when the blockchain based collectible um became you know first came to market first came to surface it was just the name it's like how we called um digital audio files mp3s right it's like it's like we kind of eventually once everyone knew what an mp3 was it was like oh that's just a um, um that's just an audio file that's just a song that i that i play from spotify right but um but you know so yeah we're um we're just crypto art right we're, we're sort of like art that's chained to the blockchain what about our collectible makes it blockchain worthy, I think is um, just the subject matter and the inspiration of the art, right? Um, it truly is um, satirical art, social mm -hmm. commentary on all of the messed up things that are going on in the world. Um, we try to comment on cultural conflicts, social injustices that matter to us. And human mm -hmm. behavior in general. And, and ah. that matter to a lot of people. Um, the <clears throat> kind of back end of the collection, um, the utility, if you will, um, is access to a platform of information and advocacy. Um, you know, think of the NFT in this case, right? Like the, the, the stamp on the blockchain or what you get as a collector is really just a, a membership token um, to this platform that aggregates all of the information um, on all of the social issues 
uh, into one place. Um, because like, as we were kind of developing our thesis for um, the brand and the business, uh, the business problem that we sought to set out um, was that um, people who were surveyed by Pew Research said that 75% 75, 75 of respondents said that um, they believed that digital communities could actually make a difference in, in social issues and, and, and sort of prompting social change. Mm. But then the second question they asked was, uh, do you belong to these social communities? And only one quarter, 25% uh, of respondents said, we actually are part of a community that seeks to make change. Interesting. And I think one of the main reasons um, for that is, as you know, um, the world and information is a complex place, right? And And sort of figuring out how to make a difference or get the right trusted and safe information. It's just completely fragmented all over the place in terms of the sources that you might go to. So yes. um, in our community, we aggregate all of the information in one place. Um, we're primarily US focused right now. Um, so we hope to you know, expand to other parts of the world. Um, but from the information standpoint, um, you could, um, in our platform, search any topic uh, or social issue that you care about, whether it's climate change or reproductive rights, um, LGBTQ, gun control, whatever it is, you can search that and then sort of be provided a list of all of the bills um, that are currently active in Congress. <clears throat> what they're about, you can be uh, uh, self-educate and become very fluent on what these bills are about, and then also where they are in the session of Congress right now, like what like what stage they're in in, mm -hmm. in terms of that process. That's the first um, sort of part of the, the platform is information. Um, but then sort of we wanted to also provide a very direct mechanism of action so that you could, once you learned uh, about where um, the bill is, you could actually, if you cared passionately about it, um, send your um, send your voice and make your message heard to your local Congress people. Mm -hmm. So we ask you to fill in your zip code. So they know whether you live, uh, the platform knows whether you live in New York or California or, or Georgia. Um, and then it, it immediately recognizes your two senators and your house of representative. We've got a pre-populated message to, um, to promote um, the passage of, of whatever bill we're talking about. The, we were talking about the earth bill um, earlier in our conversation. And so if you're in the climate change persona, um, you see the earth bill listed there, um, you have a message and then you could actually just push a button and send that message either via email or tweet, or you can set up a phone call um, with your local Congress people. Um, so that's kind of the- um, If you don't want to put your name in, you can also just put your wallet in, which is, mm -hmm. so we, you can maintain your anonymous- Self online um, without like breaking that privacy and still also like be involved in our action center. Incredible, incredible. So, um, yeah. So Blakely, tell me about the personas. So who is Meta Betty and what, what are her characteristics and personas? Okay. Meta Betty um, herself is really, I, I chose to actually embody myself on the blockchain when I was creating Meta Betty herself, like her, her appearance. Um, I'm a, phys I'm a physical artist and I thought this would be a very like interesting way to put myself in, um, 
in the kind of like the stigmas that we were talking about maybe before we were recording the show on you know what we face with hypersexuality in real life what I have faced in my real Mm -hmm. life so you know based off of that with an intertwining relationship with the pinup girls I just wanted it to be like a very radical statement with how she looked um and then persona wise I can just read you our 16 personas um we cover education we cover um environment gun control healthcare. We have two mental health personas. One is called It's All Play and one is called Silent Friend. They're a much more like Mm -hmm. abstract take on mental health. Um, We have political reform, we have religion, we have reproductive rights, we have sex work, we have space exploration, we have web Mm -hmm. three crypto and that also intertwines with social media. Um, We have weed and weed regulation and then we have women's rights. So all of those were kind of our most important issues to cover at the moment, um, especially for this first collection. Mm-hmm. And within within each persona, yeah, we cover the basis of everything, right? So so education, we're not just talking about, you know, the letter grade system and the way that our kids are either falling behind or, or succeeding, um, depending on what kind of like financial bracket and housing rights you have, et cetera, et cetera. We're also talking about sex education and whether consent is taught and what should be taught and how our LGBTQ kids are not recognized in our sex ed. We're talking about gun control. We're talking about, you know, safety and bullying. We try to encompass everything within those social issues Mm. that we're facing, like in our, from our personal experiences and also from things that we have heard that we see on the news, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So we've tried our hardest to embody everything within those issues and address them and and also kind of lead the conversation forward. A lot of things that Metabetti says um, feels pretty terrifying when I'm designing them, (laughs) right? Like it's things, and that's something that Web3 gives me as an artist. You can say things that want to be said, like you can use your freedom of speech in a way that is not so threatening to your life (laughs) in real life. Um, And that Ah, is mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. powerful for me, like freedom of speech is um, probably the most important aspect of web three for me as an artist. So Mm -hmm. I have really taken full advantage to say exactly what I think should be said um, within all these personas. Can you give me an example of one that kind of makes your heart race when you when you were creating it? <laughs> sure. um, so the women's rights persona I hold dear to my heart um, because you know it's something that I'm probably the most passionate about. You can probably tell from the way that the Betty avatar is set up, um, and she she often has a saying that says um, "godly erotic feminist slut" um, because we have so many contradictions that play on the women's identity, the women's roles, um, our like, our religious and political state and what we are designed to be from whoever the fuck said that. (laughs) And I kind of tried to make the contradictions within that statement. And she says it a lot, whether she's holding an IUD and a gavel, whether she's holding formula or a breast pump, you know, we have so many contradictions being a, a, a female identifying human being in this planet um that I think that statement was empowering for me it's on our merch I think a lot of women resonated with it because you can't be godly and erotic 
you, you cannot be those things in our, I in love our- that you combined those. I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna elaborate on that. Yeah. yeah and, and godly fem- erotic. Slut. Yeah. Godly erotic feminist slut. Slut is such a term that has been rephrased in the past, I don't know, decade maybe, but before that it was, it was a slut shame. It was shaming. It was like, you know, dirty, whore, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that modern day culture, like especially through the feminist movements have changed that term. And we've actually coined slut as someone who um, holds their sexuality, like very, and, and exposes their sexuality and doesn't really care like the backlash, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people who talk to us are like, you know, you can't uh, eat your, or have your cake and eat it too. And I, I kind of feel like we can, as long as we're aware of, you know, the people who aren't as progressive, how we're going to come off. So those four words combined together with Betty's stance is always such a radical thing for me to see on a screen or mm. in Holder's wallet. Like I, I love, I love to see that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I want to get like a poster in my, in my kitchen. <laughs> just, I'll send you, know, you my home somewhere. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, this is just so fascinating. What's another one that you have from women's rights or just another one? It's just another one that comes, that comes to you when you're just um, like, when my you're God, creating it. So many, um, there's one in education that is a big one for me, or it says children can't be afraid of tests and guns. Like, you know, they, or yeah, oh, children wow. can't learn while they're afraid of tests and guns. Um, Ooh. we, we have two kids. So we put our kids on the school bus every day and I am watching our kids be scared um, at the kitchen table of like the test that they have next week or how important this essay is. And then in my mind, I'm also thinking like, I'm terrified to put you on the bus every day. Um, so I think that one speaks volumes, especially to people who have children. Like it's not just, we're not just seeing our kids being scared of their grades, right? Which is a whole other thing. We're not scared of, we're not just seeing our kids being scared of like who they're going to sit with at lunch and if they wear (laughs) this or feel this way or identify this way. It's much more than that. We're scared of their livelihood every time we go and let them have an education. And so that's a big one for me. Yeah. And to have safe learning environments, it's, it's so important, especially for our children. They are the future of humanity. And, you know, if they're, if they're developing and growing with like tense nervous systems all the time, you know, what is, what repercussions will that have? It's such Uh, a huge, like overpowering, struggle in my mind of like what to inform them with and how do I keep their innocence and you know there's Mm -hmm. like often a conversation among parents like if you don't educate your kids about gun control you're showing privilege and if you um, educate them too much you're installing fear and you know it's just an ongoing cycle of how do we how do we protect our kids um, with the state of like this chaos today Mm, yeah Uh, yeah, there, there's a there's a bunch like in gun control, since we're on the subject, there's like, you know, it should be difficult to murder and people don't come back. Um, in religion, we have the classic philo- philosophical saying of God is dead or um, shame will overpower you. Disobedience will cure you. Uh, like the real sin is you. Extremism is our time bomb. Like I could keep going on and on. Um I love in religion also, it says, she says, uh, Mary had a life because we're showcasing that like, 
you know, this ideal image of Mary. <laughs> Mary had a life. <laughs> Mary had a life before. <laughs> like, I want to get this tattoo because I'm like, I just think it's so crazy. We worship Mary and she had no choice. She was told she was going to have a kid. She didn't even get to orgasm. And like, here we are asking <laughs> <to> her. <laughs> Makes no sense to me. I don't understand. Like, yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to get angry. But. <laughs> Mary had a life. Mary had a little lamb. No, she had a life. Life. She had a life. And there's this one image of Betty. She's in like a dark cave and she's saying Mary had a life with a breast pump chained to her wrist. Um, and I just think it's so powerful. Um, yeah. And some were really hard to make, right? Because as I'm making each trait and each speech, I realize where we're at. And when I have IRL events and we have interactions between Betty's and other people, I realize where we're at. And that's where the collection becomes very personal and very important to me because it's unfortunate, you know? Mm, right. I just right. brought us down real fast, didn't I? We were laughing and then. <laughs> no, but that's, that's the, that's the reality, right? Yeah. It's, it's just it goes back to the multifaceted human being there multiple layers to you know the the, the joy and of everything and and laughter and like creating positive change and the reason that we're doing that is because there's a very dark side of humanity in yeah. a way so um I have to really prep yeah, my... those things need to be talked about yeah they um, do yeah, they do. They do. So as even as com uncomfortable as it may be, but it's like, we need, it's important for us to have conversations around these things. So, um, yeah. So, um, I wanted to ask you, um, so can you just elaborate a little bit how metabetes are directly connected to the specific social issues? Um, oh, you've already kind of done that, but how can users really engage with them to make a difference? Yeah, so what we were describing earlier is um, we've kind of in the platform set up already like predetermined, uh, we've predetermined which bills we wanted to highlight like in sort of uh, MetaBetty season one, if you will, right? Um, like the, the beauty of the collection from a, from a subject matter standpoint is that um, because it's, um, artistic satire on real world events, um, these real world events continue to go on and feed the project endlessly um, with content and with uh, material. So we're gonna see like Meta Betty's being the franchise, but having different vintages, right? We're in vintage 2023 right now. Mm -hmm. Next year will be 2024 and we'll kind of follow um, the progress through this <clears throat> art. Um, of, of where we are as a society. So right now in season one, um, yeah, we've selected um, the bills to kind of um, pop to the top of our, um, of our advocacy platform. And so, yeah, like I was describing earlier, depending on what, you know, your social issue of choices, um, you can sort of um, get informed on the issue like the earth bill um, and then send that message to Congress. We're also putting um action into the hands of our users um so we have an we have a um hierarchy in the community that's called act to earn and essentially it incentivizes 
Um, and I don't really like the word gamify, but if you, that's kind of a familiar, <laughs> familiar um, you know, sort of concept in web three, uh-huh. it, it incentivizes and gamifies um, our community to get involved. Um, the more you engage and the more um, advocacy that you, en- that you participate in, we actually uh, accrue uh, like a point system or a credit system, um, which unlocks different levels of, um, I'll say clout or authority in our community. So once you achieve a certain level, um, you as a community holder will be able to create these advocacy campaigns. Um, If there's another bill related that we don't already have a campaign set up for, you can set up that campaign and um, incentivize and uh, urge our community members to get involved and push those messages directly to Congress. So you asked kind of how do we sort of like directly have our community make our voices heard. It's through that, um, what we call advocacy campaign, which actually sends the messages directly to your Congress people. But more and more, we want our community to actually um, be able to um, create their own content in these areas um, and then have uh, the rest of our community participate in those as well. Yeah, let's say you wanted to pick your persona. Um, Jason has set up each 16 16 personas with 16 different smart contracts. So you're not going to get a randomly generated piece of art. You're going to be able to choose what persona means the most to you. And you're going to be able to mint from that collection um, and that contract alone. When you do um, mint your art on the blockchain, a portion of that goes to the index funds that the giving block has very carefully curated, um, which, you know, it's a wide range of nonprofits and charities and organizations and companies with a lot of outreach. So we're partnered with them and we feel really fortunate that we could just embed that into our smart contract. So even without you doing anything, just minting a piece, you are, you are donating to the cause that you selected and that you're most passionate about. And the, you know, the action center that Jason talked about, that's why we pride ourselves so much on IRL events because we will always have them in-house. And um, the more, the more IRL events we have, the more that we'll have these people who don't really know anything about us or how to get involved, um, be able to participate. That's a great, that's a great point. Yeah. Like at at the exhibit um, two days ago, uh, in all of our, our IRL events, we do set up the gallery um, for like live real-time digital advocacy. So we'll have stations across the gallery. Wow. Um, and wherever we're promoting the art, kind of like right next to it, we'll have like a little act to earn um, activation where you'll scan a QR code. It'll take you to that page on our action center huh. and, and um, users will have an opportunity to participate in that um, uh, for that cause. Yeah. So on Tuesday, we had a seven foot bird cage with a Betty inside of it. And she was, you know, in the stance as meta Betty's, but obviously the, the bird cage is a political symbol and a, a big metaphor for reproductive rights. She's holding a basket of eggs and she's right by the Women's Protection Act of 2023. Um, so, you know, our idea is to pull you in with the performance art and let you get a visual of how drastic it really is. And then if you want to do something, it's literally right there. So, wow. yeah. Can you tell the listeners about your event, take the bait that you guys just had a few days ago? How did it go? And, and what was kind of the vision for it? And, um, yeah, yeah. What was the vibe? 
So the, the Canvas 3.0 is such a beautiful new Web3 gallery. It's inside the Oculus at the World Trade Center. Um, and we were one of really a, a few bunch of artists who were part of their beta program and them allowing artists to showcase and take over the gallery. So it's a very new concept that they're doing. And we were really thankful to have like such a beautiful space. Um, and I think anyone who shows in Web3 knows that if you get to display your art on a whim screen, like you are very lucky because they are absolutely beautiful frames. They're maybe like less than a fourth of an inch you can rotate them. It looks like your art's coming out of the wall. So we knew it would be very powerful. <laughs> um, but our Take the Bait exhibit was really, we wanted to have three distinct performance art pieces. Take the Bait was really centered around our live chess game that we had with the Bettys. And it was right in front of the Earth Bill, the petition that we had, our actor and petition for the Earth Bill. It was right in front of climate change and politics. And the chess game really just demonstrated like our two party system and how these causes are pretty much waiting on the bleachers for these people to get past their egos and opinions and actually do something. So we had Betty's taking live chess pieces back and forth to the personas that were so urgent, but then maybe people really weren't paying attention to them or maybe they were depending on who was on the board. Mm -hmm. We had a, a cyborg Betty on the board because our progression with the collection is that we do want to intertwine our relationship with tech um, and the body, right? That's what Web3 is doing. And like I said in the beginning, we want to really highlight that as a feminist tool. So over time, we'll see Betty evolve from the pinup girl to the cyborg to hopefully nothing. Um, and we really embodied that with our, with our chess game. We would have the cyborg come out and you know, have like these very robotic movements as she was moving from square to square. Um, we purposely made the queen chest pieces like almost six feet tall. And we had the king chest pieces <laughs> off in the corner. <laughs> they weren't even on the board. <laughs> um, so that was really amazing. And um, we talked about the carousel that we had in gallery too. It was centered around more of our abstract collections um, that are really like artistic and all about mental health. And then the birdcage was right up front um, and it was displaying, you know, like women's autonomy and um, our reproductive freedom. It was like a very difficult piece for me to put Betty inside of because she's usually so powerful, but I wanted to showcase like even, even the most powerful women on earth, you know, are being affected by this insanity that um, we are facing right now. Um, we did a protest in Washington Square Park for a year without Roe, and that was not even what? It was like three months ago. Two, months, two yeah. three months ago. So I just thought it was really important to highlight the, the lack of progress and actually the repression that we are all facing. Um, and the Betty in there was very brave, really powerful. So I was I was extremely proud of everyone. Yeah. No total force moment. I can. Jason's asking if I want to kind of talk about like our postmodern feminist feminist approach. Yeah, please. Thank Which you. I think you. Kind of, you know, Tori. I I know that you're a big believer in because I I know a little bit about your background. But yeah, we're basically just trying to get away from these like, um, I don't know, predetermined biological settings within gender, right? And we're trying to move move humans forward. And you speak a lot about that how are we evolving on the blockchain and how is gender evolving? So with MetaBetties, we try to have a 
highlight of what's being objectified, what's being sexualized and rebel against it. Um, and I think that's probably something that you, you face a lot with your own work. Mm. So, so yeah, that's just like a big underlying message of so how is, um, just for the listeners, how is postmodern feminism different from regular feminism? <clears throat> feminism in general, whether it's intersectional or not, I think that we're still by, by making it secular, by making us a group, right. Of feminists we're already kind of objectifying ourselves. And I really hate how that irony comes to play when we're talking about like, oh, I'm a feminist, but what are you fighting against? Well, we're fighting against the objectification, the sexualization and the political oppression of our our bodies, our identity, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. That alone to me puts us in a marginalized group where we have to recognize our historical uh, oppression. If we move the conversation into the adaption of language and eliminating these gender roles through language, she, her, I, you, it. If we eliminate the object and the subject, where we eliminate like the, the physicality and the form of gender altogether, what is the conversation and what is what does feminism look like um, if there's none of that? You know, and I think that's where Web3 will take us. Our relationship between human and nature and tech and machine all in ones where we're not going to be able to separate ourselves. There's no in or out. It's inside of us. Huh. We are inside of it. There's no dualism to compete with. And that's kind of where I want to take the collection and just, and use it as a social experiment because I really, I, I long for that in my personal life. You know, I wish I could just take myself out of my body and, and mm -hmm. go from there. And so mm -hmm. that's kind of my, my drive. And of course I, I need more women, especially I need more thinkers who agree with this postmodern approach into web three to get me there. Do I have it all figured out? No, but that is like where I'm trying to go. Yeah. I love that you mentioned that. Cause I was, I want to ask you, what are your aspirations just as we're wrapping up, what are your aspirations and goals for the collection moving forward? Yeah. I, I want her body to evolve and I want it to disappear. I want to become just huh. a, a general like activism platform on the, on the blockchain and really focus on that. And I hope that the people who have followed us from the beginning, you know, learn from this, like what drew you in and what drew a bunch of people in? Was it the tits and ass? Was it the activism? Was it the way that we um, like help with change or, you know, like what was it that drew you in and then how did we keep you and how did we help you evolve into this new state of living? That is my, my biggest aspiration. I see, I see us being a platform to host workshops and uh, meetups and speeches and lectures, and even like maybe even some type of like education platform, you know, so that everyone can be progressive on this front and so that we can all be on an equal playing field Jason do you have anything you want to add to that that's God <laughs> what what I I kind of heard something what just happened our doorbell is going off we have a really corny doorbell um yeah I would say from a from a collection standpoint in terms of like future progress also like I said um, we're dropping, um, I guess what we'd call the first vintage, right? And we've got these 16 social issues that are represented by the 16 different personas. 
like the idea is that, you know, there's a vintage next year, there's a vintage, you know, next year being an election year, right? It's going to be some mm. stuff going down. So there's already been um, things in the news recently that have happened that that will impact uh, the messaging and the symbolism. Um, affirmative action got overturned uh, two, two months ago um, for college admissions, right? Like, um, there are all these things going on in the world that are seemingly taking us backwards. And so like one of our taglines is with Ethereum, uh, by, by being minted um, on the blockchain with Ethereum, we're actually able to track our progress through these Medivedi's vintages as time goes on, um, track our progress on these social issues or our lack, uh, lack of progress on these issues. So um, oh, cool. from, a, from a messaging standpoint and from a artistic standpoint, I think that's where the collection will go. Um, but then also like Blake Lewis saying on the advocates front, yeah, we just want like sort of to provide more tools, um, educational platforms and learning, uh, we want to take this gig to the metaverse and, um, have, um, you know, really, uh, impressive speakers, um, and, and activists, you know, sort of join, um, uh, a spot in the metaverse that we, that we hold for our community. Um, so yeah, I think from both from an art and a, um, activism and advocacy standpoint, we've got a long runway. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what plays out with the election coming up next year. Yeah, I so. mean, you know, our, our political, Blakely was telling some of her favorite um, collections and, and pieces. Um, our uh, politics persona is super powerful and it, it just calls out some of the obvious like deficiencies in the system, right? The two-party system is broken. Um, the Supreme Court is a monarchy of lawyers, right? These are some, um, some, some again, like artistic satire, just like commentary on how um, archaic um, our, our, our system is, our political system is. And, you know, I think young people, and that's one of the reasons, you know, one of the objectives of the um, platform uh, is that young people um, aren't really involved so much. They, they kind of... Um, know that things are going in the wrong direction, but they don't know how to help and so uh, or how to get involved. Um, they don't have a personal connection to these politicians and these policymakers, but these policymakers certainly have a direct connection to them uh, in terms yeah. of changing their lives. Uh, in many cases, like we see in reproductive rights and affirmative action um, for the for the for the worse. Um, so so yeah. Um, yeah. The politics yeah. is a really powerful one too. Yeah, it sounds like it. Um, so I, I want to ask you just a, a personal question. What do you think are your beliefs? Um, what do you think about AI and its, its influence over elections and policy, public policy? Do you have any thoughts on that? Probably, you know, not deep enough to sort of comment on those particular like outcomes, but I just know that um, there are so many great uses of AI, um, but with politics and policy being such high stakes, um, such like high stakes outcome or end game, um, you know, certainly, um, certainly AI getting into the hands of the bad actors um, could have really... Um, devastating effects um on our democracy for sure i mean i think you've I, the one thing that i think first comes to mind is um the prediction that there is going to be a lot of deep fake um political advertising right where um, one of the candidates 
hopefully not support not um hopefully this isn't funded and created and supported by the other party um but that wouldn't surprise me either but you know just by uh, super PACs or by you know other sort of donors to create these deep fake videos of the candidate that they don't want to win you know saying something inaccurate or saying you know sort of misinformation fake news if you will um so yeah i think that's the danger the dangerous side of ai yeah. Um, yeah. It'll be, it'll be interesting how everything plays out um, just as we are evolving as a species and humanity, but also, you know, technology is just rapidly evolving at this point. So um, I just want to thank you both so much for coming on the Meta Spiritual podcast. And I just learned so much from you. And I'm just really, really glad that there are um, digital art collectibles and just you know brains behind uh the art i love the um that you guys are really just taking initiatives to make a difference in public policy and you're giving people the opportunity to be part of your community who also want to see change and to be the change that they want in the world so um uh, Jason, thank you so much. Blakely, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tori. Thanks for hosting us and uh, hope to talk to you again soon. We will. Absolutely. Thank you. Sure. Bye. <laughs>